What's going on, everybody? It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7 with you. Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. We got to close the book on South Carolina. And then we've got to get to the reason we didn't do this pod yesterday, which was the fact that I got to see some practice. I mean, I I, I didn't think it was ever going to happen again. First time since, I think, probably November uh, or maybe December of 2019. Um, it's been a long time, uh, and uh, you know we got to see a little bit, and and there was a big thing that we saw out there. Uh, got to see a little George Pickens in action. We're going to talk about that too, maybe a few other things about practice. But guys, let's. Everybody wants to hear about George Pickens, but you know we talked about this before the show chronologically. All right, we got to get to this game. We got to talk about the South Carolina game, forty to thirteen. Georgia jumps out to a fourteen nothing lead, stalls a little bit offensively, gives up some big plays defensively. Rusty, what's your main takeaway from this game since you really haven't had a chance, and neither have I. Kip was Kip was the only lucky soul that had a chance to really talk about this game right after. Rusty, what was your impression? What was your main takeaway from Georgia's win over South Carolina? Uh, you know, it's you can look at it a lot of different ways. The main thing is Georgia got a W, uh, seemed pretty healthy from what I know, uh, able to get out of that game. And you go on to, you know, as an SEC opponent, Night game, Jake. I'll tell you what I took out of that, and and I I, I looked at a, a counterpart, you know, a friend of ours in the business on the sideline, and I said, "This place is rocking." Like that place was almost like Notre Dame without Notre Dame in there. That night game was rocking, and you know, it's been two years now uh, since Georgia's really had to have a night game like that with a crowd. But I, the the main takeaway was was the energy, student section, pregame. I was like. This place is banging tonight. So um, I, I think one of the biggest takeaways is you get JT Daniels in there, get some vertical passing game going. Uh, he looked different in that Cle- from, than Clemson. And, and, you know, as you go back in hindsight and look, maybe he was really banged up in that Clemson game because he didn't really throw the ball down the field at all. Uh, you look at this, he took three or four shots, hit on a couple of those. The, the, um, the one ball to A.D. Mitchell was – was damn near perfect and the ball to Burton. He just beat his guy and he hit him on the money. So you look at all those things. Um, we could, we could talk about the quarterback position, the rest of the pod. That's something we're probably not going to do, but I think overall, when you look at it, you, know, you had some young guys getting some touches. Brock Bowers continued to momentum. He's got and this kid special, man. I mean, wow. To, to do what he's doing in game three at the university of Georgia, he is a major, major weapon. He's a problem. He's already, uh, guys, he's already that person that you have to identify where he is formation-wise pre-snap as a defense. We're talking about a true freshman you know, when he's going into his what, fourth game this week. So uh, you look at that, and it's a, it's a big deal for Georgia. I think they got a win. They got out of there healthy, got some more experience. I think people are really harping on the offensive line right now, and I don't really see that as a concern because – you got a lot of young guys. You're trying to find the mix. You're trying to see if Broderick Jones can play a left tackle that will allow you to do some things. Losing Tate Ratlitz was a big deal. I mean, he was a lockdown uh, guard. Now you're trying to replace him. You're trying to figure out some things. Warren Erickson coming off an injury. He didn't get a lot of reps. So each week, you know, you expect him to get better. So not really too worried yet about offensive line. I know people harping on that on the junkyard, get a lot of questions about the offensive line play. It takes time with those types of things. So um, I think overall, really good win. Defense was stout, and, and you look at everything, and I think that Georgia uh, came away with a big win against SEC. 
uh, an SEC opponent, SEC East opponent, started the season 1-0 in the SEC. Uh, bottom line, put a bow on it, big win, momentum. Georgia still has it, and that's about it for that game for me. Rusty, uh, kind of building off what you said, I'm I'm very intrigued Brock Bowers. Three games in a row, they found a way to get the ball to him in the screen game, um, a tight end. Uh, you know, I know Todd Munkin, maybe we should have paid more attention when Todd Munkin said back in the preseason, he said, this is a guy we could probably hand it to if we needed to. Um, they're finding ways to get him to football, and he's the guy they're finding ways to get the football to. They're not throwing screens to to they're throwing them to James Cook, and that's about it. Maybe Kenny McIntosh and Brock Bowers. So that lets you know what they think about his skill set. He's got 14 catches already this year. Uh, he's doing an incredible job. Uh, you know, you mentioned A.D. Mitchell. You know, I'm looking at the offensive line. Yeah, I think Georgia's got some issues there at times on the interior. Um, you know, at, at maybe both guards positions and, and Cedric Van Prans growing into that spot. But also after rewatching the game and kind of going through it and have X's, o, X's and O's here later on the site today, um, I really thought that that the offensive line did a lot better in pass protection, except for maybe a couple of instances that, that I saw in real time. So I, I was encouraged by that. I even point one of those out where, where uh, you know, they got a little something done there when South Carolina knew that Georgia was going to be throwing the football. Um, but, you know, ultimately, my takeaway is big plays. And I think we're looking at going forward, Georgia's going to have to do a better job because, you know, teams are banging their head against the wall if they think they're going to run the ball against Georgia in crunch time, okay? They're banging, they're, they're just banging their head against the wall. But I do think teams are going to watch that tape and they're going to see, hey, we can go after these guys on the outside in one-on-one opportunities because Georgia has given up five plays of 30 or more yards this season. They gave up four of them in that game. And that, to me, was was the standout negative from the game. Standout positive was just, once again, Georgia came out and started fast. And One thing, one thing I saw, Jake, well, you know, like you just said, touching on that run game, they stuffed them first two downs. And South Carolina on third down just said, look, we're going to throw this thing out there and see if we can make a play. Right, now, yeah. That first series, Zeb Nolan, the ball he threw, might have been the best ball he's thrown in his career. He dropped that thing in the bucket. Nothing you can do about that. But the other plays kind of worries you a little bit because they were like, you know what? This third and nine, third and ten, we ain't got anything. We're going to let our guy make a play. And more several times South Carolina made plays there. Yeah, yeah, they did. And Georgia busted a couple of coverages that South Carolina wasn't able to, to capitalize on. And that was also a little bit of kind of a you feel fortunate to get out of that. Uh, but, but yeah, that's, you know, that's something. You know, and if, then if you look at the positive side of it, you know, great teams usually start fast. Great teams punch other teams in the mouth right away and kind of get them reeling. Now, credit to South Carolina because they did hit that 61-yard pass. They did come up with that interception. They made that game 14-6 to there early. But, you know, Georgia came out, got the touchdowns on the first couple drives, kind of set the tone. And and that game is not a 40-13 to game, you know, when you look at kind of how, you know, that Georgia didn't finish all that well. It's not a 14-13 to game, 40-13 to game if Georgia doesn't get off to that fast start like that. And I thought it was really impressive how JT Daniels knocked the rust off so quickly, right away really with a 21-yard connection with Brock Bowers and got it going. Uh, Kip, you've had a chance to actually talk about this game before. Any thoughts you kind of want to add after maybe having some time to marinate on some of this? Yeah, I mean, obviously everyone kind of looked at the the one play where Stetson Bennett came in. Obviously it's a pretty infamous play now, that one play being an interception thrown there in the first half, uh, you know, credit to Kirby Smart for or, or Todd Munkin immediately pulling the plug, not being stubborn, saying, you know what, 
no, let's let's go back to JT and let this be his game. It's pretty obvious they kind of had a plan going in to rotate him, and immediately when they saw that you know that plan wasn't the best, the, maybe the best idea, they scrapped it and, and went right back to what was working. So I just I think as far as just seeing you know uh, still a young coaching staff evolve and learn from the mistakes to be able to learn from one immediately in the game, you know, that there's credit there. And we talk about the offensive line still being a work in progress. I think that work in progress part is kind of getting overlooked a little bit. You know, there's still some, some guys going out there. It's a new lineup that hasn't played a lot of football together. And it is still the run game. You know, there was improvement there as far as the blocking still only allowed one sack. There's some pauses you can still take from that and still try to get some competition and try to get, you know, get Broderick Jones some more experience and, and see if maybe you can get more competition at right guard. But overall, as a group, you got to also look at the fact that, you know, they're still young, haven't played a lot of football together, and they're going to get more experience, more chemistry as the year goes on. Defensively, I think it's pretty clear, like you said, teams are going to learn that they can't run the ball in Georgia. They're going to try to test them deep. And I like the quote that Kirby Smart gave. I think it was something along the lines of he tells the DBs, you know, it, it's it's either your ball or, or it's their ball. It, you know, uh, I, I just think that that, that quote kind of stood out to me. He said that ball is just as much yours as it is theirs. So it's about, you know, winning those 50-50 battles and being able to play the ball. For every play you have, Kili Ringo, that makes that outstanding catch, you have some times when maybe they're not going to be positioned to make that play in the ball. So that means you can't get beat deep. And that's about technique. If you're not going to be able to have that recovery speed to be able to make up, you know, where last year Tyson Campbell, if he gets beat, uh, Eric Stokes, those guys can make, still recovering and get to the ball quick enough to make a play. You know, if these guys aren't able to do that, then they're going to have to play with better technique and they're going to have to make sure they don't get beat deep. It's still something they can work on in practice. It's something you can coach and improve on there. Other than that, I think the one question mark is, is this Georgia's running game? Is just what Georgia can do? Because you kind of look at last year, you know, they're kind of middle of the row. They average, I think it was like 4.6 yards per carry. And, and this year it's kind of similar. I think they're averaging like 4.9 yards per carry. Is, is that where Georgia's run game is with, with these running backs and that's still something uh you look at we've they've had i think one run over 20 yards so far this year you haven't seen those you know those long runs that you're kind of used to seeing from georgia's ground game this might not be that type of ground game and i think maybe maybe kirby smart and this coaching staff kind of know that because you look and see they're throwing the ball now more than they ever have you know each year actually you've seen a little bit less emphasis on the run game a little bit more emphasis on the passing game. They're trying to get more balanced. And I think that this might just be kind of, you know, one of the effects of that is that you're with, with so many running backs back there, you're not going to be able to give Zemir White 15, 20 carries a game. He might not even get 15. They're, they got, they're trying to figure out the, the best role for multiple guys back there. And I just think this might just be a different rushing attack than what we're used to seeing. But fans have wanted to see Georgia air it out. And I think this might be kind of the impact of that is that the ground game just not going to be as dynamic. And if that's if that's the case, uh, you know, you're, you're glad you got the weapons that you have. Like you guys said, you're glad you see JT Daniels putting more and more emphasis on the tight ends. When he came in last year, you saw more targets to Darnell Washington, the tight ends. And now, I mean, 
I think Georgia went the last two years with their tight ends catching like 21 and 23 uh, passes, and and lo and behold, you got Brock Bowers already at 14 by himself. So I think it's pretty clear that when JT's playing quarterback, that is a big part of their offense, and I think that's that's the way Todd Monken likes it. So I just think it's a different look offense, but I think it's it's Georgia just looking at their personnel and going, this is what we're going to be able to do best, and that's what fans have wanted all along. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, you look at the first three quarters uh, of the breakdown of run pass and Georgia's like 43, uh, sorry, 54 percent pass through three quarters. Now, you know, the, the fourth quarter stats skew that the other direction because Georgia's had a couple blowouts and it had like a five minute drive against Clemson where it ran the ball exclusively. So, you know, you, you look at that and, and you know, the, 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 the commitment to the passing game is there. I think the run game absolutely got better against South Carolina. Definitely got more consistent. You had a bust there on third down that resulted in in Georgia not picking up a first down when it really needed one uh, late in the you know second quarter. Georgia was able to kind of overcome that with a safe with a great punt, a safety, and then a uh, and you know then a field goal drive on a short field. Uh, and that was a heck of a sequence there at the end of the half. It kind of pushed that game to a twenty point game rather than it being the 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 closer looking contest, the fifteen point game that it was. Otherwise, you don't see very many five point swings, but Georgia got one. Um, you know, I, I look at I look at the run game like this. That's what to me is, is the biggest work in progress because you know you have offensive lines of work in progress, but you know that's that's pass protection, that's personnel, that's getting some guys healthy, that's figuring some things out. But I think you know figuring out who your best running backs are. Who's going to take care of the football? Who's going to be explosive for you? I think that's big. And I think you look at that. James Cook and Zamir White have shown they can be explosive. Kendall Milton's longest carry of his career was this past week. Yeah, I think 23 yards, 22 yards. You know, Kenny McIntosh has yet to really get it going as a running back. Um, you know, unfortunate that Kendall Milton got the fumble there because that didn't really look like a fumble. Um, but but I think the run game is something that Georgia fans, you know, if you've got expectations for this team and and I think that's what you've got to kind of look at it as the what you need to expect to get better because they're going to get things worked out on the offensive line. I think they're going to untangle some things in the run game. And as they do, it's just going to make the pass game more effective, and, and they're very, very committed um, to that. Before we jump into a break here real quick, I want to mention something. Uh, listen, if, if you're watching this thing on YouTube, um, if you're watching live, thanks. We appreciate it. Watch us live every opportunity you get. But – if, if you're a fan of the show and you're not able to catch it live, we want you to understand this. You can catch this thing pretty much a full day ahead of time if you watch it on YouTube. The podcast is going to come out a little bit later than the YouTube show, so keep that in mind. Uh, subscribe, you know, send us a comment. We want to hear from you. But just know that that when it comes to getting the Junkyard Dogcast, you're going to get it on YouTube first and then the podcast so uh, tune in there and, and check us out. Let's jump into a break here real quick. And on the other side, we're going to talk about George Pickens being back at practice and a couple of other things. Rusty and Kip, yeah. George Pickens is back at practice, okay? He's not practicing in full. He's in a black non-contact jersey. Got a super sleek knee brace on, all right? Like this knee brace, this is the Air Jordan of knee braces. Like I saw that thing and I was like, man, NASA made this thing, Okay. It's, you know, looks, you can barely tell it's on. It's just really odd looking. And I'm, this is somebody that's had a couple of them running routes. I didn't look like he was a hundred percent to me, like in terms of going a hundred percent speed, 90% or so, uh, but looked really smooth, looked really bouncy. Um, 
Rusty, what do you make of it, man? Uh, first of all, shout out Derek, Victor, Alex, Jimmy. Some of you guys, we see your comments. Thank you for being here. Uh, Alex wants us to do a call-in show. I don't know if we can do that yet. <laughs> I don't know if we got enough months in us to do the call-in. Uh, so maybe that's something down the line. But, you know, members of the Dogs 247 uh, saw our dog treat, something that me and Kip do on Mondays. And that was something I mentioned yesterday that was brought to my attention um, don't want to give that source up NFL scout. Don't want to give that source up. Uh, last week told me, Hey man, I saw George Pickens running routes. I'm not sure what you guys are hearing, but he looked pretty fluid running routes. So we know this, that's the second time that he's running routes and in indie drills, which means he's doing individual drills, uh, with the other wide receivers. Um, and he- here's what I know. So I took that information and I said, does this guy doing cuts? And he said, yes, he was running cuts. So little old me, I talked to a medical person that I know that, that deals with this. And I said, look, if this guy's doing cuts on an ACL, you know, where, where, what kind of time frame are we talking here? And it's different with every person. But the general basic thing, knowledge I got out of that was, um, you know, he said that could mean he's maybe four or five weeks out from really turning this thing loose. So. You look at the time frame, that's about seven, seven and a half months, which is on the early side. It certainly mm-hmm. has been done before. Uh, right. But, you know, George Pickens is an elite athlete. It's, it's how your body reacts and how you heal. But certainly what you see there, Jake, yesterday, what we what I heard last week, what we gave the Dogs 247 members yesterday, certainly stirred up the board. And when Jake was able to go to practice and see it himself, um, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's promising. And I've been pretty clear with two things about George Pickens. My thought the whole time was I kind of felt like he wasn't going to play again at the university of Georgia. My other thought was if Georgia beats Clemson and they have all this momentum and they have everything rocking and rolling and they got a lot to play for, uh, that certainly would, would for me and, and kind of how I feel entice George Pickens. Because I know this, that guy's a competitor. That guy loves football. So if Georgia's got big games, they're getting big mentions, they're in this thing deep, you know, as we get into this November stretch of all these games, uh, you know, I made that clear. I thought that was Georgia's best chance to get him back. And it looks like right now that George Pickens is on a path to play at Georgia. Based off what we know right now, uh, let's let's be careful with that. But we do, you know, you did see him. Jake, I want to ask you this question. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I didn't know that George was you were ever going to see him practice again in Athens. I just didn't know if that was going to happen for a while. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, you know, getting out there, first of all, let me know what it was like to get out there after so long. And number two, what else did you see? What stood out to you like, wait a minute, this guy looks better in person? Or what surprised you maybe yesterday getting to see practice? Well, I'll say this. As far as what it was like, um, I felt like we should have had some walk-in music or something. I mean, I don't know. I felt like I was – I was going somewhere that I really hadn't ever been. Well, heck, they even put us on a different side of the indoor facility than we've ever watched practice before, so that was different. It was – I don't know, man. It, it was almost like the first time, and it was uh, – it, it, you know, I, I know folks are going to think that's a little bit crazy, and I'm – you know, it, you're definitely overplaying a little bit. It was funny how some of those – some of the other guys on the beat, um, you know, Seth Emerson, Mark Wise, like, man, I'm out of practice. I'm rusty. I didn't even check on this. I didn't even check on that. You kind of develop a little bit of a system, but it was cool to be back out there. Uh, you know, Rusty, I say I saw um I kind of sound like Foghorn Leghorn there for a little bit. 
Um, I guess I saw, you know, watched the linebackers pretty heavily there um, for a little bit. I was interested to see um, Latavius Brini and Javon Bullard and uh, Trayvon Walker and Tramel Walther working with the outside linebackers. You know, those are those guys, you know, two of those guys play defensive end, two of them play star slash nickel. Um, you know, watching them work with the outside linebackers was new. I hadn't really seen that, but you've seen Wildfire and and uh, and uh, uh, Walker, you know, playing some defensive end and, and standing up and, and playing that for Georgia. So it looks like Georgia's found a way to kind of maybe deal with a little bit of lack of depth there at that outside linebacker position. I thought Quay Walker, seeing him in person for the first time, I barely recognized him. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that's gotten really lean you I don't know if he's gained any weight or I mean sorry lost any weight but he certainly looks really really lean and you're seeing that kind of show up on the field this fall with how how much faster he looks Jamon Dumas Johnson's a big dude I, I really thought he was like a Monty Rice type body type he's he is clearly bigger longer um than than Monty Rice and you know obviously had that pick six against UAB um those are some of the things that really set out. Arian Smith is kind of limping around a little bit with that contusion. And I'll mention this too. I don't want to make too big a deal of it, but Kip brought up the offensive line a while ago in the work in progress. Well, I caught at the very end of one of the offensive lineman drills, Devin Willick and Cedric Van Pran working together with Devin Willick, the, the red shirt freshman from New Jersey, um, you know, former three-star prospect, but a mountain of a man, 6'6", 6'7", 330 pounds, was working at left guard with Cedric Van Pran combo blocking. And, and you know, listen, I, we don't we don't have very much experience watching Matt, Matt Luke offensive lines practice, but when Sam Pittman was at Georgia, what you saw out there during drill work was what you saw out there on Saturdays in terms of the offensive line you saw. So I don't know what that means. Um, you know, it, it could have changed for 11 on 11. We're supposed to be out there again today. We'll see if that happens. I'm, I'm always going to kind of be cautiously optimistic when they, when they give us an opportunity to watch practice and not really believe it till I see it. Uh, but, but we'll see what we see out there today. But those are some things that, that I definitely saw. But obviously the number one was George Pickens. And, you know, Rusty, you said that the guy, you know, that, that your source told you that, that he looked smooth. And that was the number one thing that stood out to me about him is he looked he looked good. Like, I'm not saying he's like, oh, he's ready. But he just didn't look like a guy that was, um, you're not out there getting hit. I understand that. But he didn't look like a guy that was unsure about it. He was very, very bouncy, light on his feet, uh, ran a couple of, you know, routes that had a, you know multiple cuts in them. Um, you know, I'm really interested to see how this thing plays out. And, you know, if, if Georgia I, – I believe if Georgia's undefeated, if Georgia's undefeated one loss whenever he gets a chance to come back, I think he'll come back. And I think he needs to come back. And, Kip, that's yeah. something you and I have talked about a pretty good bit too. I think he needs to come back. The guy – you look back to last year, he missed two games. He's played in like three out of the last eight games that he's had an opportunity to play in, not necessarily – you know, three of the last Georgia's last eight games, not the games he's had an opportunity to play in because he's been hurt for a couple of them, uh, three this year and two last year. Uh, but, but Kip, you and I have talked about this. He kind of needs to come back, right? Yeah, I mean, it's real tough to speculate. Obviously, he is the type of talent that, that should be able to play on Sundays. And we are just coming off a year where we had players completely opt out. Some guys didn't get drafted, as we know, but and some guys went in the first round. I mean, you had guys that, uh, I think the first offensive lineman off the board, Panay Sewell, I mean, he opted out. And you had guys that did not play and were still able to to have NFL scouts salivating over the their potential and their ability. But George, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's not a ton of film on him. Obviously, when he was on the field, 
you know, he was a guy that, that made big play after big play, probably the, you know, at, at worst, the, the second most talented wide receiver that we've seen play at Georgia in our years of covering, you know, the sport. So he's got a chance to, to really, really make a lot of money at the next level. But at the same time, when you're, if you're a second round pick versus mid first round or late first round, you're still talking about several million dollars that you have the ability to make, you know, getting that second contract that's when the big money comes in. And that's usually what's most important for a lot of these guys. Just get whatever you can now and impress at the next level. But, you know, if, if you want that money up front, the opportunity is there. You just, you know, he's just got to put more film in front of scouts and show that he is completely, he's come back, you know, and, and that he can do the little things that, you know, we were nitpicking over those first two years of, you know, of him being at Georgia, you know, as far as his ability to, to win the 50-50 battle. I don't think that's something that's really in question right now. I think that's something he's established. He's able to do against almost any DB. Some of the other things, and I think that not being able to play, watching this this team with a you know national championship aspirations and, and the chance to actually get to the playoffs and compete for that. I mean, he's, he's you can tell on the sideline that he's just itching to get out there and be a part of that. So I think we've actually moved from the he might never play again to if he's healthy, we think he's going to play, you know, as long as Georgia takes care of business, everyone's going to think that, well, that means he's back for Florida. I don't think we need to have set those expectations for where he is in his recovery. And obviously, even if he has four to five weeks left of recovery, he's got to get through that without any setbacks. So we're still, we're still a long ways away from talking about him getting back in the lineup, but we are discussing the possibility of him getting back in the lineup before the season's over and I just think that that's exactly the progress you wanted if you're a Georgia fan, if you're on this coaching staff, the chance to have George Pickens back out there. And like Rusty said, it's pretty clear. This guy, you know, he wants to play in big-time football games. And I think that showing him coming back out there and, and helping Georgia potentially, you know, achieve those goals, that's only going to do wonders for his draft stock and show that obviously, you know, he's – He's a complete teammate. He's got everything you look for in a wide receiver, and he's going to be the guy that's going to do everything that's, that's asked of him at, at the next level. So I, the opportunity is there for him to to improve his draft stock, whether he needs to or not. I mean, that could be up for debate because, again, we've seen guys leave uh, regardless of where they might be on the board and, and shine at the next level. So I just think, you know, I think it's it's pretty obvious that, if, if he is not able to play in enough games at the end of the year, then we have a real debate in our hands on whether or not he needs to, you know, he would be better served playing again next year. And that's, yeah, Jake, that's something that we, we debated for a while. It's tough to know because if Georgia plays 15 games this year, he might be able to have enough film to, to show, hey, you know, I'm back. I can do whatever I did before. I've been able to rehab. I'm back to where I was. And, and if, if they're playing important football in December and January, then he's going to have some film against some, you know, some elite defenses as well to be able to show NFL scouts. You know, I think he moves up some teams, maybe all teams draft boards just by coming back and playing. And what I mean by that is you come back and you put space between you and that injury. You show that you're back on the field. I mean, I don't think he's got to come back and have four 100-yard games or anything like that, but you come back and you catch eight balls in four games or or ten balls in four games, you make a good player to 
I think you silence some of the concerns coming off of that knee injury. I mean, I know they're going to check him out and do all those things, but just come back and put something on tape after that, I think would also, you know, kind of help him just in general. Um, you come back and play well, you help yourself that much more. Um, and not that there's any question about this, but you also prove that there's a commitment to your teammates, to your to your organization, and you also pr- show a little bit maybe in mental toughness as well. And those are all things that are only going to help them. Now, listen, I understand the risk too. If I'm sitting there as as, as George Pickens' mother or or George Pickens' brother or or uncle or or whoever, I'm also you know uh, you have to consider the whole risk factor in this. But at the same time, when you're cleared, you're cleared, and and you know a lot of times these things heal up stronger. You know, there is the rare case of a guy like Dominic Blaylock who tears the same ACL, but these things heal up pretty strong. And, uh, you know, I'm just interested to see, um, you know, if he does come back, what it what it does for him. Um, you know, because, you know, I know a lot of people see him as a first-round talent, second-round talent. We've all got our opinions. I'm kind of concerned about, all right, listen, is he going to go in there and blow anybody away with a 40? Um, you know, is he going to go in there and, and you know, blow up a combine? Is he going to be the kind of receiver, the modern-day wide receiver that's kind of eating the game up right now, those run-after-catch guys? I don't necessarily view him that way. I still think he could be a high pick, but I don't know that I see first round. Um, either way, coming back and dominating or not. But ultimately, I just think that just by getting back on the field, he helps Georgia, he helps himself. And I think that's big. And speaking of getting back on the field, Rusty, I want to ask you one quick thing before we let you go. Yeah. Uh, Darnell Washington, Tyke Smith, Kirby says he's not ruling them out this week. What do you think? You think they play this week? I would be surprised probably at this yeah. point. Um, you know, again, you really want to make sure there's zero, zero hesitation with something like that. And when you have the I hope they're playing this week, probably tells me I would at least wait one more week. Um, yeah. What's it going to hurt to give them a few more days of rest? Uh, you got a pretty tough stretch coming up, and you want those guys. You need those guys. You need that depth. We've talked about it from day one. Two very experienced guys, uh, two guys that were probably penciled in starting. If not, you know, Tyke's going to play even if Brenny started. So, uh, you know, I, I would think right now probably no on those two guys, but I would not definitely rule out Arkansas at all to have those two guys uh, back in action for Georgia. Yeah, that's what I would. I'm the same way. I would lean more towards Arkansas. Didn't really get the impression from Kirby that he's expecting them uh, to be back for the Vanderbilt game. All right, guys, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Do a mailbag, talk some recruiting. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24 7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. Y'all take it easy.